life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Hello, everyone. Michelle Slaney Travato here. Super excited to welcome you back to another episode of the Living Your Legacy podcast. As always, I am seeking people who are legacy makers, who are trying to just make the world a better place for themselves and other people around them and the professionals who support them. And today we're super blessed to have someone who actually checks off both boxes. So I would like to welcome to the call Clarissa Constantine today. So happy to have you here, Clarissa. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. When you said that you wanted to have me on, I was like, wow, really? Thank you. I'd like to say I was honored was would be an understatement. So thank you. That is so sweet. So let's tell everybody a little bit about you, Clarissa. So Clarissa is an only child who had a tough relationship with her mom. Pretty sure we're going to be digging into that a little bit today. During mm -hmm. college at the University of Hartford, Clarissa began what would turn into a decades-long career as a test prep coach. Now, I'd never heard of that before I met her, so I'm going to ask her about that. She's helped thousands of kids around the world navigate the college and grad school admissions processes. Along the way, she's joked that she sometimes finds herself playing the role of therapist more than tutor. Oh, I bet you have. <laughs> Helping kids manage the stresses of life. But no matter how many young adults she helped, Clarissa longed for a closer, more intimate relationship with her own mother. Unfortunately, that did not come to pass before her mother passed on in November of 2019. Clarissa is driven to help other families avoid the heartache, the lost years, and the regret she, and most likely her mom too, experienced. In addition to test prep coaching and dreaming of ways the parent-tween connection will help families, she's also a certified life coach who helps teens learn concepts like goal setting, self-compassion, self-esteem, mindfulness, and growth mindsets. So Clarissa, there's a whole lot in there that you are up to, and all of it revolves around kids. Indeed. And fun so fact... I don't have children of my own. You just own everybody else's kids. Got it. Um, love it. The ones you work with, for sure, anyway. Um, so, Clarissa, tell us now, you know, when you're in grade four and the teacher asks you what you want to be when you grow up, a test prep coach, definitely not in the top 10 list. So how did nope. you get there? Uh, no, definitely. I'm not sure I knew what it was myself then. Um I, the, the reality is I was a broke college kid working to put myself through school. I was constantly hawking the job boards at college. 
going, how can I make more than, you know, $4 and 25 cents an hour on campus, which was the going rate. I know that dates me a little bit, (laughs) but one of the big test prep companies was hiring for tutors. And they said, you know, tutoring experience or teaching experience required. And I was like, well, I used to help a lot of my friends in high school with math. I can do that. I had zero concept that it would turn into something that I did for as long as I've done it. Um, turned out I was pretty good at it. So, you know, I, I help here in the States, we have two primary admissions exams that universities often want to see either the SAT or the ACT. So I help students prep for those. And on the grad school side of things, I work with college students and adults who want to go back to grad school, law school, business school. Um, All of those have admissions exams as well that students need to take in order to submit with their grades and, you know, transcripts and such and, and resumes in order to gain admissions into college or grad school. So that's that's what that is and how I landed there. I like I said, I had no concept that I'd still be doing it two and a half decades later. And yet here we are. Wow. So I guess you work with students all over the world then. Indeed. I have been virtual since 2010, supporting students who either want to come to college here in the U.S. or grad school. I've worked with students in Europe. I've worked with students in Asia, South America, can't remember about Africa and certainly no one from Antarctica. <laughs> but <laughs> that's fair. I don't for know. For obvious reasons. Yeah, I don't know that penguins actually need entrance exams. A PhD. But okay. Yeah. Exactly. A PhD in bottling? I don't know. Fishing? <laughs> Correct. What would a penguin get a schooling in? Um, interesting. That's an interesting question. So along the way. You had, now I want to, I want to sort of dig into some other things, but I do want to talk about the parent twin connection. When I first Mm -hmm. met you several years ago, this was what you referred to as your passion project. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about the parent twin connection and what, what, what made you go in that direction? Sure. So along the years, this, this ties in both my relationship, the challenges my mother and I faced Uh, as well as the fact that throughout the college admissions tutoring, you know, test prep world, I've always had this feeling of like, there was something more that I was meant to do. There was something, a bigger impact that I was going to be able to make. I just didn't know what it was. So, you know, as I mentioned, my husband and I have not gone down the child path at this point, um, but we're of an age that many of our friends do have children. Many of them have teenagers. And really what precipitated parent twin connection was friends of ours. Uh, we're struggling with some challenges, some significant challenges with their daughter, who was 15 at the time. Mom was terrified that her daughter was going to come home pregnant, in jail, or dead. And I don't say that lightly. I don't see that. I don't say that intending to be like hyperbolic or exaggerative. Um, those were the decisions that the daughter was making, and the mom was distraught. And she said to me, "Number one, I just wish I had other parents to talk to." What I came to realize is, number one, she wanted parents to talk to who weren't going to judge her for the things that her daughter was doing because there was a lot of shame around it. And number two, she wanted parents who'd kind of been there, done that, and could actually give her some guidance as to what to do because she had been to the guidance counselors at school. She had been to um, the principals. She'd been to the teachers. She'd been to the pediatrician. She had taken her daughter to a psychologist. But here in Colorado, where I reside, the age of consent for therapy is 13. 
what that means is a 13 year old can seek out therapy without their parents consent, which is the, the positive, helpful side of things. The not so helpful side is that at 13, the child can also opt out and, and not consent. So the, the psychologist said she probably had some mental health stuff potentially, but that if the kid wasn't going to come, what could they do? Um, this mom happens to be very devout in her faith. So she went to her house of worship and the, the lead practitioner there, if you will, to keep it ambiguous. Uh, and nobody could give her insight as to how to actually help her child. And she's just, she was distraught. She was alone. She didn't feel like she had anywhere to go. And all of a sudden I was like, holy cow, so many parents go through this. We have such a community for parents of littles. Thankfully, as a society, it's becoming much more acceptable to talk about things like postpartum depression, miscarriage, uh, breastfeeding, potty training, sleep training, all of the things that surround having a baby or a toddler but then it's like as a society, we seem to think that parents have it figured out by the time the kids hit like 10 years old, when in fact, they don't know Jack Diddley more about a 10 year old than they knew about a newborn. They've just known this child for 10 years now. And it's not like 10 is a magic age. It's just that that's kind of the age range that we kind of bracket between 10 and 20 at parent tween. And so anyway, so that's the backstory on it. I realized, wow, there's an opportunity here to help support families. And like you said in the intro, help families avoid some of the challenges that my mom and I navigated, which were, you know, they weren't the the life or death situations that that this family, that, that precipitated parent tween was navigating, but we had our own challenges that impacted our relationship for the rest of our lives. So Parent Tween Connection, the name came to me literally. I call it a divine download as I was driving down the highway. And I was like, all right, universe, what do I do with it? And I started a Facebook group, had a couple of hundred people pretty darn uh, soon thereafter. And I was like, cool, great pr proof of concept. Crap, what do I do with it? <laughs> Especially because not being a parent... There's an aspect where, like, I don't understand. I can't relate 100% to what it's like to having your own children, whether birthed, adopted, step, foster, whatever the children are in your life. But I'm like that next circle out in my friends' families. And so I, I can see a fair amount. But, I, you know, life happened. And, and so here we are. Wow. Um, there's a lot in there that I want to unpack and also addressed. I am the parent of two teens. Did have a tween last year, now have two teens. Um, I completely understand a lot of what your, your friend was going through. My boys happen yeah. to be like pretty angelic for the most part. They don't make, the, they just do dumb things, like not life or death bad choices, just dumb boy things. Well, but their brains I, aren't there yet. <laughs> True that. Um, I do see, though, like I have seen situations with my younger son, who's 13, some of the kids that are around him and the decisions they're making. And, you know, I wonder about their families and are they OK and what is going on? Right. Because, you know, this kid is behaving in a way that is dangerous to themselves or to others or puts up um, red flags now. Again, backstory for me, former special education teacher, taught in education in high school for 20 years. So I devoted 20 years of my life to other people's teens and tweens. 
Mm-hmm. Like yourself, Clarissa, I have seen and heard a lot, a lot Indeed. from other kids about mm-hmm. what's going on in their lives. And so for me, some of the kids that are in my younger son's school, it sends up red flags. I'm like, whoa, someone needs to circle the bandwagons around that kid. This mm-hmm. child is at risk for whatever, or this mm-hmm. girl is dressing in this particular fashion. And this makes her at risk to be picked off by gangs or you know, all those other things that can come up. Um, Absolutely. And we know kids at that age, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. So the idea- And it won't be. For a long time, (laughs) uh, for sure, right? Their their idea of rational thought or cause and effect, if I do this, then that will happen. Not fully there yet. Like I ask my younger son sometimes, why did you do that? He's like, I don't know. And that's true. He literally does not know why he did Mm -hmm. it, right? Or my older son will do something and then not get the response he thinks he's going to get because my older son is the one with disabilities. And um, I can watch the look on his face completely change when he realizes what he thought was going to be funny has not been received that way at all. And he's like, whoa, didn't mean it this way. Now I don't know what to do. So all those things are definitely in there. And of course, kids at that age are wanting to push the envelope, right? They feel like absolutely freedom and the freedom that adults have, which is always so interesting because they think that we're so free. Like, wow, I have never had more responsibility in my life than when I became Correct. Correct. <laughs> yes, I can choose if I want to go out at night, but the reality is that I work. So probably not going to choose to go out because I got to get up and work the next day. Do you know what I mean? But kids exactly. don't see that process. They just mm-hmm. see the freedom. So they want the freedom, but they're not ready for the responsibility yet. Correct. And it's such a difficult time for parents because mm-hmm. their kids are going through what we like to refer to as hormone health right? Their bodies Uh are changing. They are flooded with hormones they've never had before. It makes them say and do things they've never done before. It makes them moody and emotional in ways they never were before. And so many parents will say, where did my child go? And who Mm -hmm. is this alien living in my house? Oh, absolutely. I remember who were like, (laughs) sorry, go ahead. My kid, I was just going to say the number of parents who are like, my child has been taken over by aliens. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You're not alone. Nope. For sure. You're not alone, (laughs) but you're also right because their bodies get bigger and they start to look more adult-like people think they should be behaving more Mm adult-like and in the sense of not the freedom part, but the responsibility part. Correct. So it's a hard spot for kids to be in because they're pushing for more independence, but at the same time requiring, I would actually argue just as much, maybe more guidance than they did as toddlers. Because the reality is as a parent of a toddler, I had full control over my kid. Honestly, I was the parent who walked around with my hand on my son's head. And then when I wanted him to turn, I just turned his head. The body goes where the head goes. Head goes. Turn the head, the body goes. And in my house, I could childproof it and have full control over what he had access to. Mm -hmm. As parents of tweens and teens, we no longer have that full control. Correct. And I think that is, again, from my observation, of people around me and my experience with my mother, I think that's probably the single hardest adjustment for parents to make. You know, when you you exactly said it correctly, when they're little, you're the authority. 
For the most part. Yes, they try to challenge it. I want the lollipop. I want to stay up late. No, I don't want bath time, right? Like there is that. But really, truly, at the end of the day, you have a whole lot more authority when they're younger. But then when you when they get to this middle school age, you know, grade five, grade six, middle school, it is developmentally appropriate for them to start trying to launch. They have to start testing their wings. If they don't test their wings in middle school and it waits until high school, we're going to have a whole other host of challenges that come along with it. And really what they need at that point is adults around them. And I'm not going to say just parents because this is all of the adults around them really working to grow with them away from being the dictator, as it were, and adjusting more to the mentor role. You know, let them try it. Let them get it wrong. You know, as as you and I are talking today, Michelle, uh, it happens to be right before American Thanksgiving. And my uh, my best friend's 13 year old son it loves to cook and bake. And so he's trying to make some money for a camp next year. So he had the idea that he wanted to make pies and sell pies. So she helped him decide what two kinds of pies he was going to make. And she limited him to 10 pies. And then she let, you know, they went through, they figured out what the whole cost was going to be and how much to sell them for. So, I mean, we're talking like great learning experience, right? And so... On Sunday, he decided he was going to start baking and he wanted to make the pies one at a time. One <laughs> at a time. Now, any adult who has ever made a pie is going to be like, oh, heck to the no. Make all your, like, do all your apple peeling, do all your apple slicing, do all your apple cooking first, then make all your pie crusts, then sort it out and bake five pies at once. That is not where the 13-year-old who is still in the developing stages of executive functioning is operating from. So instead of making it a whole thing, like she suggested it, she's like, dude, why don't you do a few at a time? No, no, no. I want to do one at a time. And so she let him do one. And she's like, okay, how long did that take you? And then the next day, he made two of them one at a time. And then Tuesday rolls around and she's like, all right, dude, so you've got seven more pies to make. You've made three in two days. How are we going to adjust this? And that's a great example of being a mentor and not pushing the issue of being like, okay, you're going to figure it out. And oh, by the way, don't forget, we're gone on Wednesday. So you have to finish all seven pies today. What are you going to change to make the next seven approachable? But that's such a great example of like, let them fail. Like, what's the point of making a fight out about it? Because that's what it would have been otherwise, right? Let them do one at a time. Let them try. Like, is it going to cost them anything other than some time? No. And I mean, yeah, your kitchen's going to be a disaster for a longer period, but like, whatever. It's a great learning experience. Um, I love that example. And let me tell you why I love that example. I wish more parents did that. It's this is a safe space in that kitchen with his mom to make those yeah. decisions that don't yeah. work out perfectly. Right. 
So they've done all the preamble. So they've got all the supplies. They've cost it out. Like there was obviously a lot of work already went in and great mm-hmm. learning for that. Right. Mm-hmm. And great empowerment of this young man. So yay 100%. for that parent, yay for mom yep. for making that yep. decision that she was going to support him because he wants to earn the money to achieve something he wants. Great delay of gratification, which if we know nothing, the world is not great at. So yay right. for teaching <laughs> your kid that piece of it. Right. I need right. to go ahead and earn the money. Great. And yeah, he wanted to make the pies one at a time. And of course, I promptly burst out laughing when you said that because I knew exactly where this was going. 10 mm-hmm. pies in like four days, and he's going to do them one at a time. That child's not going to sleep. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> he's going to do know, it. Right? It's provided some great opportunities for, for, for her and me to have some just fun and just chuckle at it. You know, like mm-hmm. I'll text her, So is he on pie number two yet? And like, so we've just, in our own way, had our kind of chuckling. And, you know, it's not, it's not going to hurt him any, you know, we're just amused and watching and observing, but it's a safe place. Who cares? He'll figure it out, you know, but that's an example of what I mean of like going from the dictator to the mentor. If we can look for more of those opportunities to be those mentors, then that really gives them safe places to fail and make mistakes and adjust and don't come back and be like, I told you so, because that doesn't help anything. (laughs) Yep. Totally agree. It doesn't. Cause like, I don't like hearing that either as an adult, no, frankly. Um, yeah. so I can see why a teen wouldn't like it for sure. Um, I also want to address the issue of letting your child fail. So we know as toddlers that our kids have to, as they're going to go learn to roll over, they try it and try it and try it and try it. And then one day momentum just takes over and they actually roll over. Like they try it and then they, Momentum happens and the body actually rolls over because the weight is tipped. And then the kid goes, oh, I can do this again. And they learn. Same thing when Mm -hmm. they're learning to crawl, right? They Mm got to fall a few times and usually they splat on their face and and they cry and it hurts and all the rest of it. And then they also say, the parenting books, don't overreact because your child falls and they look at you. Mm -hmm. Your reaction will help to dictate theirs. So if you get all, oh my God, then the child learns this is big, bad, and scary. Now I'm going to cry. I may not try it. So they they tell you to do this stuff. Well, Mm -hmm. nobody tells you that about your team, but it is the same exact idea. And many, many times parents become this... It used to be the term, the helicopter parent, right? The parent who followed their Mm -hmm. child around, hovered around their child like a helicopter so that nothing bad can happen. And Mm -hmm. now they have a new term out there. They call them the lawnmower parent. And that's the Mm -hmm. one who gets in front of their child and mows down any problem before the kid ever gets there. And that's a source of concern too. Because I think about this young man making his pies. Now, that's a small example in the grand scheme of the world, but kids are smart and they will extrapolate and generalize information. Correct. So in this lesson, what has this child learned? Lots. There's the math around the the money side of it. There's the pre-planning and organizational pieces that need to go in, getting the groceries, getting your supplies, all that stuff. Now it's the strategy of how do I do this? And then how, you know, so now I know for the future that I need to think that one through a little bit further. And then Mm -hmm. you think about the next thing this young man wants to do. All that learning doesn't get compartmentalized into that experience and left there. It gets brought forward to the next experience. 
Mm -hmm. right? And all that discussion that the mom had, all that sense of humor that's being shared with this child, right? Mm -hmm. Again, because failure stings. Any of us who have failed and anybody who's tried to do anything of any substance has failed. It's 100%. It hurts. Absolutely. Your pride gets injured. Your ego gets wounded. You just, you feel embarrassed. Like all of those things come into play. And then you got to lick your wounds and kind of keep going. So he is now having this experience, but it's a safe space with mom who's showing compassion and guidance Mm -hmm. and humor. You can learn Mm -hmm. to handle failure with humor, with compassion, self-compassion, compassion for others, all those other things. Right. And so, and by that failure, when you see someone else fail, now, you know how that feels. So you would never point the finger and laugh and do all those other awful things that people do to each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Because now you've learned that I need to really be compassionate about this to help Mm -hmm. this other person or it's stinging them. And I don't need to add salt to that wound. Do you know what I mean? Right. So Mm -hmm. I get it. And I wish that more families knew about that, thought about it, did more about Mm -hmm. it. We certainly do it in our, in our house. We have lots of Mm -hmm. conversation around those things with both my children. It's just nonstop conversation. And to be clear, those conversations are extraordinary. When you sit in the space with your child and listen, like really Mm -hmm. listen with your mind, your heart, you're fully present, no tech, just listening. And for my boys, it happens all the time in the car. That's where Mm -hmm. I get the best information when I'm driving. And then all of a sudden we're into some very deep conversation around something. And I'm driving a lot of extra miles because I don't want the conversation to end. And I know the minute I throw the car in park, the kids are hopping out and we're done. So I'm like, "Mm, captive audience, let's just keep going. Correct. Correct. And windshield time is great. So awesome. And you know, it's a place where they don't feel like they're being stared at and all the rest of it. But when parents sit in that place and truly listen or adults as a teacher, I have sat in that space as well. Often in my classroom, side by side, two desks, not front facing each other, but side by side. Mm -hmm heard lots of really interesting things and gotten lots of really interesting questions. And I love that you said that not just parents, but the adults that surround that child. Mm-hmm. It does take a village, not just for toddlers, but for totally. teens too, for mm-hmm. sure. I think it actually takes a bigger village for teens because they're going to look at mom and say, mm, you're like Charlie Brown's teacher in the show. Wah, 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 wah. Like I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm totally mm-hmm. tuning you out. But then the same words from a teacher or from a coach or from a girlfriend. Oh, hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Makes all the difference in the world. Like, why didn't you tell me? Wow, mom, why didn't you tell me about that? Right. And you're like, I totally did tell you like 17 times, but Uh you get the point. What is the focus of the parent twin connection? And how did you get to that? So when my girlfriend said, I just wish I had other parents to talk to. Like I said, I realized that this was when I realized how much community there is for parents of littles. And I started thinking about how little community there is for parents of the not so littles. At the same time that we don't have this community for the parents, the kids are individuating, which, as we said, is 100 percent developmentally appropriate. That separation is it needs to happen. And at the same time, the decisions that they're making in this individuation process carry a whole lot more gravitas, right? Like a lot more immediacy uh, and a lot more bigger stakes. I was like, holy cow, this is like a recipe for a disaster. This is like the perfect storm. 
And so I literally sat down with my girlfriend and I said, Hey, you know, if you had a community around you, like those parents that you wish you had to talk to, what would it look like? And I literally interviewed her for a couple of, a couple of sessions, a couple of hours and started formulating ideas in the, in my brain. And so to your first question, what's the focus? It is it, well, the, the point that you said, it takes a village to raise a child. I like to see us as that village. We are the parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, supporters, honorary parents, <laughs> right? Like that, that nucleus, whatever the nucleus, and then like the next layer out from the nucleus and the next layer out from that to be together to support families through that, again, largely 10 to 20 year old range. We're also bringing in the professionals who support them. So we have one membership community for largely parents. It's called Parent Tween Village. We have monthly connection calls. We have exclusive content from our podcast guests just for those members. We have events for them. Again, just creating community. We also have a network of professionals who, as we grow the network, know each other collaborate together, understand the nuances of, you know, like for me as an SAT prep coach, I am not the test prep coach for every kid. And even if I was that fabulous of a chameleon to so be able to help every student who needed to take the test, I still live in a 24-7 space-time continuum. I can't work with all of the kids. So I feel like it serves students better and Frankly, like on a, on a self-serving perspective, it makes me look like a better professional if I can say I'm not the right fit for you, but here's someone who is. So we know each other, we can network to it with each other, we collaborate with each other, and we also interface those professionals with the Parent Tween Village so that parents can actually interface with the professionals and get answers to questions before they even have to take the step toward hiring one of said professionals. And so those professionals, we've got, you know, obviously test prep coaches, college admissions professionals, um, career exploration professionals. We've got parenting coaches. We have teen life coaches. We have, we're looking to explore into the legal arena with family law attorneys to help navigate divorce, adoption, you know, parenting, legal aspects of parenting, those kinds of things, criminal defense attorneys who specialize in defending youth offenders who, you know, you said their brains aren't fully developed for anyone listening. Your kid's brain isn't going to be fully developed till they're like 25 or 26 years old. We've got a long way to go before that prefrontal cortex is actually fully on board. So like you're saying, Michelle, like kids do stupid things sometimes. By our standards, they do stupid things, but by their standards, they're just doing things. They don't yet have the capacity to recognize that perhaps it's not the smartest decision. And sometimes they get caught and sometimes there are legal ramifications. So having attorneys who can support them because you're not going to your you know, like your church ladies group or like your local Facebook group and being like, yo, my kid just got arrested for bloody blah. blah. What criminal defense attorney do you recommend? <laughs> so our goal is to bring those professionals into community with parents. So the parents know we're the place to go to find those folks. I love that. Um, and I also to speak to that last piece about, you know, if your child does happen to get arrested and you now seeking some advice and you don't want to put it out there, that's for sure. Although our kids have bigger bodies as tweens and teens, and their minds are not fully developed, there is certainly that feeling that if our children screw up, 
somehow we are at the root of it. And that's where the shame comes in. And it may be, there are some families that are very dysfunctional and some of the children's behavior can be directly correlated to what's going on at home for sure. Absolutely. But there are other situations where it's not the case, where the families are extraordinary. The child is just doing what they're doing for whatever reason they're doing it. And it is no reflection on the family's parenting okay. style or their socioeconomic oh, yeah. status or any of those things. However, you hear people saying it. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You oh, hear yeah. people making those judgmental comments. And of course, Absolutely. that just makes parents kind of fold in on themselves. Well, Why would I ever share with somebody what's going on with my child if I feel like A, you're going to gossip about it and B, you're going to judge. Correct. And if I can take that a step further, my mother was one of those parents who very much had that belief to the point that my mother straight up said to me when a friend of hers from high school, when the friend's daughter became pregnant prior to marriage, I very clearly remember my mother looking at me and saying, don't you ever forget your actions reflect directly on our family. Wow. So, so not only did I get that message loud and clear, but let me talk about for a moment, you were like, I don't want to go talk to other parents as the parent who feels that way. Should your child end up pregnant or involved in said result in some fashion, right? You're worried about what, as the adult, we're concerned about what other adults are going to say about us. We don't want to go talk to those other parents. But I want you to stop and think about what impact that has on your child. Okay. As the child, what I learned, I can't screw up. My mother is not the safe place to go if that happens to me. Wow. Boom. Confidence. It, it like and not confidence like self-confidence, but like confidence as in I can trust my mother. Mm-hmm. Gone. Mm-hmm. Gone. I could just stop the interview right there. If I could highlight one moment, that would be it. Because I think mm-hmm. as parents, we forget that. We forget mm-hmm. the power of our words. We think because our kids Absolutely. are are individuating, they're pushing away a little bit. They're closing the bedroom door. They've got their headphones on. They're hiding their tech or they you know, put their phone down or iPad down, face down when you walk in the room, like all those pieces. You feel like, um, you know, they're shutting you out. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to kind of turn the tables. It's also way very, easier than we realize. Totally. And it is very easy to make comments like that from a place of fear and hurt ourselves. And Absolutely. not realize the profound impact as much as we think our kids are not listening. They, oh, are, they listening are far more than we think. Mm-hmm. Now, I happen to have a younger son who is very skilled at eavesdropping and likes to tell you, I am very skilled at eavesdropping. This child misses <laughs> nothing that happens in our house. And I know this because my husband, I'll be in a conversation in the kitchen. And then from his room, he's like, I missed the last thing you said. <laughs> that's great <laughs> so he tells us that he's eavesdropping so we're very aware but you know many other families just you know they don't think or they you would assume your child isn't paying attention like 
the tension that's going on around whatever money, like mm-hmm. this time of year is a stressful time for so many families Absolutely. around the cost of living, the cost of the cost of gift giving, the cost of, you know, um, that the cost of those big turkey dinners or whatever it is that you're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. Also around the stress of family stuff. Are we going to have that aunt into our house that nobody really likes? But if we don't have her, how is the ripple? You know, like all the complicated interpersonal stuff. We don't realize just how much our kids tune into those things. Oh my gosh. They don't yes. miss anything, but they can't no. always explain it. And Correct. then as adults, we know in the absence of information, your mind can go to crazy, crazy places. And, and make kids, things up because we need explanation. Yep. Absolutely. Totally. And kids have a very miraculous way of seeing all problems as somehow their fault. Correct. It is a very miraculous in a very bad way thing that they do, uh, uh-huh. but they do it, right? Mm-hmm. So if mom and dad are fighting, it must be my right. fault. If there's stress around money in the house, that's got to be my fault. If, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, you if know. If mom and dad divorce, it must be my, my fault. fault. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I can totally see why it's so important for parents and families and caregivers to have that community of people that can sit without the judgment who can say, Oh girl, I have been there. I feel you on that. (laughs) Or who can, who can offer professional advice? Like I get where you're coming from. Now let me just talk to you about where your kid's at so that you can have a better understanding of why this interplay between you is happening. Right. And it, it could be as simple as like today I shared a sticker a picture of a sticker that I saw on Facebook marketplace as I was scrolling that goes mama, mommy, mom, bruh, <laughs> like bro. Right. And the number of people who are like, Oh my God. Yes. Right. And like, that's comical and comedic. And the my people are like, old, my 13 year old says that to me all the time. Hey, bro. I'm like, I am not your brother. Like, let's be clear. Not the brother. <laughs> but it's a case of like, Hey, if we have that in common, then you know what? If your kid just did something that you're less than proud of, I guarantee you're not the only person. I guarantee there's other people who can understand and who've been there and who've done that. And if we feel like we're alone and that shame comes in, I see it a lot with moms, but I I also see it with dads, you know, who recognize like I'm I like I feel like I'm completely sucking wind at this parenting thing. Where do I go to be a better parent? Where do I go to get insight and like you know, be, be open about the fact that I don't know everything. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Sometimes, you know, if we all say kids don't come with a manual, a user manual would be great if they did, but man, that right. user manual would be about 7,000 pages long and who would read it? Yep. Correct. You'd look at that and think never having kids. That's too hard. <laughs> you would. Why I do you would. think I'm I like, don't have children? Who's taking that course? It's not me. Um, <laughs> For sure. And so, you know, you also get into parenting things based on the way you were parented Mm -hmm. and the way your parents spoke to you and the way they engaged around particular things. And, you know, if we don't have the presence of mind to question some of those things, and some of them are great, Mm 
Like, great. My parents always told me that if I was ever out, because uh, I lived in a small town and there was no bus service and no taxis and no way in or out unless you had a vehicle. And if I was out with some friends and things went sideways and I didn't want to stay, that I could pick up the phone and call and they would come get me at any point during the day or night. I used it once and it was in the middle of the night. I thought for sure I sat at a Tim Hortons, which is a coffee shop restaurant. And I was terrified. I waited 40 minutes for my parents to get there. And it was the worst 40 minutes of my life. Cause I thought they were, I was going to be a dead body on the side of the road. Like they were going to be so upset with me. I was going to be punished forever. You know, all the horrible things you think. And then my parents showed up and I walked out and got in the car and they both said nothing. Now I'm like, that's it. They're saving it up till we get home and I'm in super trouble. Like now it's a 40 minute ride home in silence. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, oh my God, this was such a bad idea. I probably should have just like stayed out and dealt with the consequences tomorrow. And when we pulled in the driveway, my dad and my mom turned around in the seat and said, we're really proud of you. Glad that you're home and you're safe tonight. Thank you for using that. Like you did what we asked you to do. And I remember huge waves of relief because it was an unsafe situation. And my friends were drinking and there was people behind the wheel that I didn't, I really felt uncomfortable with what was going on. And I wanted out. I wanted to go home where it was safe with my family and my parents lived up to what they told me. And I have since passed on those pieces of advice to my children, right? Mm-hmm. That if you're ever out and things go sideways, yes, I'll probably be a bit grumpy because you wake me up in the middle of the night, but it's not grumpy at you. It's just grumpy because I'm woken up in the middle of the night. I will come get you. So some mm-hmm. pieces of advice are extraordinary, but mm-hmm. then there are other things where you know, you do as I say, not as I do, or or other things. And, and as soon as I say this, every parent in the world can think of the things their parents have said to them, that they swore up and down as a child, I will never say that to my child. And then as an adult, you hear your parents voice coming out of your mouth, out of your mouth, <gasps> Who put my parent in there. <laughs> yep. Right. It happens. We just respond in ways right. that are sort of family cycles. So having a place where you can say, so I did this, or I said that my kids said this or did that clearly we're at loggerheads here. How can I do this better? How can I reach my child? How can I Mm -hmm. stay connected to my child when I feel like they're pulling so far away from me? Mm -hmm. How can I, you know, you initially talked about a story about this daughter who was making some really challenging and unsafe choices in her life. Mm -hmm. How can Mm -hmm. that parent say, I am terrified for what could happen to my daughter. Absolutely. I am terrified for what could happen to me if people find out about it. I am terrified of all these things. Mm -hmm. You need space to be able to say that. Now, some of us are blessed enough to have friend communities or family communities where we can kind of say those things. But if we don't, then I see the parent tween village and the parent tween connection as such an amazing community and so needed in the world today. It's needed for kids to get support and advice. Mm -hmm. It's needed for their parents to get support and advice. The reality is Back when, and I'm dating myself now, before the internet, right? (laughs) We did not have access to all the wild and horrible and crazy things that our children have access to today. And they don't always tell us what they're seeing and hearing. Um, Sometimes it's for fear that they'll get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just too weird and they don't want to, they don't want to talk about it. 
Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just makes them so uncomfortable. They don't know what to say or do or uncomfortable because they're attracted to it, not as in a sexual way, but as in curious and interested and, and maybe wanting to know more and feel that that will be judged. So I totally see how this is, is really an important place for and so needed in our world Mm -hmm. today. And on behalf of all the parents out there, I'd like to thank you for sure for taking this on. So tell me now, this is now the legacy that you're living into. Mm -hmm. Is what it is now what it was when you started or what you envisioned it would be? (laughs) I didn't know what it was going to be when I started. Um, you know, literally it started as a Facebook group. And I, like I said, I was like, you know, when I had a, a good number of people join the Facebook group pretty quickly, I was like, oh, cool. Proof of con- concept. Oh, crap. What do I do with it? Because I didn't know what to do with it, especially not being a parent, uh, you know, and not being able to live into like, what kind of support do I want? Because maybe what I want is what some parents want. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, But it's really kind of become just a, a an outgrowth of a lot of the things that a lot of the experiences that I've already had. And a lot of it has come as an outgrowth of asking other families, what are you looking for? And a lot of what families are looking for is, you know, the things like you've talked about, like, how do I, how do I navigate this situation? Whether it's, you know, we had one conversation in our, our primary Facebook group where a mom had checked her, her daughter's cell phone. And had seen that her daughter had been searching bisexuality on her uh, on her browser. And the mom asked her about it and the conversation didn't go well. The mom was completely caught unawares and came into the group going like, look, this is what just happened. How do I navigate this exactly as you just said? You know, how do I. What do I do? Like, I feel like I screwed up. I feel like I violated my daughter's confidence in me. And how do I repair it? And, you know, at the same time, we've also had families go like, you know, my my kid just got a call from his ex-girlfriend and she's talking suicide. What do I do? Where do I go? And then we've had some that on, on the comparative scale or have less immediacy. You know, my kid's grades dropped precipitously this term. What can I do to help? You know, here's what I've already done. What else can I do to help my child? And And I mean, those are all equally in need of support. You know, and so it's it's literally been an outgrowth of what those folks have said. Also, as an entrepreneur, I do a ton of networking. So that's where the Trusted Expert Network came in. Um, the, our foundation, which I know you and I have spoken privately about, we're uh, nonprofit pending with the American IRS right now. Uh, so that when a family says, hey, I want to work with one of these professionals, but we can't afford it, we're going to have funding available to help bridge the gap. So that's in process. That's from my background. You know, my dad worked a lot of hours and did a lot for our family. And somehow often there was more month at the end of the money. And, you know, there are many, many, many people to your point earlier of, you know, talking about today's situation post pandemic with the economy and this, that, and the other thing, there's a lot of people struggling. And, you know, I know that the the next piece that I envision is local communities when the time is right. I don't know when that's going to be because I, I want to make sure that that we're building this effectively so the whole house of cards doesn't fall apart. And there's probably going to be other things that come along that I haven't even thought of yet that I don't know. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be in response to just kind of where we go. You know, I'm, I'm actually reading Shannon Crotty's book right now. I know you had her on a recent episode. And one of the things that she says is for any of us who are, who are 
founding big things, big ideas, it's like things change. <laughs> That's okay. So it's, you know, it's not, it, it's not what I thought it was going to be because I didn't know what it was going to be. And I'm sure that the iteration that exists by the time my time on this planet ends is probably going to be different than what I envision now. And that's cool. Like, we'll see where it goes. I love that. Um, and I wanted you to tell that story in particular, that piece of your journey, because of course, there are people out there who are looking at potentially starting a legacy or dreaming of something. Also, Shannon Crotty saying the vision that won't leave you alone, that mm -hmm. they feel like they need to do something about. And I wanted them to hear because you're mid journey. It's not a, oh, a fully done, not a fully done deal, not been up and running and set for a decade. Right. Um, not been so solidified that we're talking about a done deal. We're talking right. about a work in progress as you are growing and learning. It is growing. It is morphing and changing into what it will become. And, mm -hmm. and I love that because that is the journey of making your legacy, right? It's the journey of mm -hmm. living into it. Um, you know, doing all the things and learning all the things and stretching and growing yourself to be able to accommodate and, that, but still staying true yeah. in essence to the vision you have. Correct. Yeah. And I love that you've done that. Now, I am quite certain that there are people listening to this who are thinking to themselves, I need more of what she's got. So if someone is a parent and mm -hmm. they are in need of, of your programming, how can people find you and find the Parent Tween Connection? The easiest way is right at our website. It's parenttweenconnection.com. That's P-A-R-E-N-T-W. E-E-N connection.com. You can find me there. My contact information is right on the website. All of our professionals in our trusted expert network are listed on the website. There's information about Parent Tween Village. If you'd like to join, uh, that's there. There's also links to all of our social media there as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. We've got a podcast. Again, the, the, the website is the, the central location for everything. I love that. And if someone is listening to this, who is a professional and what you are doing speaks to them uh, and they would really like to connect with you about becoming one of your trusted professionals, is that the website mm -hmm. they would go to for that as well? Absolutely. Yes, they can go. It's uh, the trusted expert link is right at the top of the website. And we are absolutely looking for professionals worldwide. Um, all of our professionals are background checked and reference checked so that you as a parent know that even if your child is connecting with a professional virtually, that these folks are, you know, clean, <laughs> as it were, you know, criminally, no background or anything. Um, and they're reference checked. So, you know, we have folks who have worked with them who can speak to their expertise and the, the impact that the professional has made on their life as a client. And you know, we are not industry exclusive. There are many networking organizations out there that are. But as I said, I know I am not the test prep, test prep professional for every client. And even if I was, I don't have the hours in the day to work with every one of them. So, you know, we'd much rather have a wider array of professionals to help families really find the right fit. And I love that because uh, it really is. I mean, our children are all so unique and any parent who has more than one child will tell you they're totally different from each other. And they came correct. from often the same place, like the same two parents share the same DNA in many cases. Um, and so yet they're so different. So having so different. professionals 
that work with and meet the needs of each child, it might not be the same professional, even for siblings, right? It might be that they, their personalities are different and they relate to people different. And so they they have different needs. So I love that you've got all that there. And I love that you said that because again, trusting my child or with somebody that I don't know who maybe they're going to be working with or connecting with virtually again, not always a space that I'm going to be in um, Mm -hmm. can be very scary. And of course, you know, the media tells us all the horrible stories of people doing horrible things to children. So Mm -hmm. that's always top of mind for people. You know, you want your Mm -hmm. child to be safe and be protected. Um, Absolutely. So I totally understand that. And uh, thank you, because again, there might be professionals listening to this podcast who think, gosh, I I really feel a calling to be connected Mm -hmm. to that. And Mm -hmm. I want them to be able to reach out and find you as well. And again, it's the parent tween connection, one T, so not parent with a T and then T on tween. So parent, single T, tween connection.com. I love that. Clarissa, it has been such a pleasure um, chatting with you today about it. I think it's such a timely conversation. The world is, is in a place now where we need more hope. We need more optimism. We need support to help us learn to do things in new ways. The world has really shifted on us. I mean, just with the global rise of technology, with mm-hmm. you know all those pieces that many of us as parents we didn't have, and certainly our parents couldn't right. offer any advice on because it just didn't even exist then, right? Indeed. And so we yep. do need to be learning and growing and stretching ourselves as parents in a world that's shifting way faster than we can ever keep up with. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as parents, we don't have a lot of time to go learn all this new stuff. It's the kids who have all the time to go learn it Mm -hmm. and do it and all that kind of stuff. So it's really important to have safe spaces where we can get, um, where we can get support, where we can get advice, where we can just get sometimes like a how to question, like what is TikTok and how does this thing work? And why do you want to be on this? And are there parameters and, you know, like all those kinds of things, just a simple question like that could mean a whole lot to a family, right up to everything you talked about from suicide to sexuality, to drugs and alcohol, to gangs and violence, like all that, those big things, the gamut of everything in between families Mm -hmm. definitely need support and I think what you're doing as as a service to so many people in honor of the relationship with your mom um, Mm -hmm. is so extraordinary I I really think it's really very extraordinary and so very needed and I'm so excited that you came on the podcast today to share that with people Again, if anybody is listening and you want to reach out to Clarissa, get connected. If you know families who maybe could use what's going on there, by all means, share the website with them too. Because the more we can create our communities and surround each other in a non-judgmental way with support and appropriate advice, um, the better we all become. And the better we become as parents, the better chances our children have of becoming the extraordinary adults we all want them to be. Yep. Thank you so much for putting all the blood, sweat and tears that I know you've put into this thing along <laughs> the way, and the blood, sweat and tears that you will continue to put into creating this organization and your foundation and the support network for people. Um, 
again, you are one of the legacy makers that I absolutely wanted to talk with because what you're doing creates positive ripples throughout the world in places you don't even know they're happening. So thank that you is the so hope. much. I am so grateful that you came on today to be a part of this. I'm excited to be included and I'm thrilled that you see me as such. I'm thrilled to be seen as a legacy maker. It is absolutely what I believe is my legacy and I'm just honored to be with you. Thank you so much. Well, one of these days, we're going to have you come back to share with us an update on where you're at and how, what it's become. Because again, you're on the journey of living into your own legacy. Mm-hmm. And so as it grows, I'd like to keep in touch and have you come back to share that information so that our listeners can be with you on your journey as well. So can't Thank wait you. to hear more of what you're doing. I am so grateful again for you and everything you're doing to support parents in the world. Thanks so much. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.